are welcome. This baby joins the count of 7.7 .7 billion people on earth. I would have names such as she joins an estimated number of 200 million Nigerians in the quest to share air, water, food, as well as the politics of scarce resources among over 300 tribes in the West African country, Nigeria. As the seventh most populous nation in the world, many Nigerians are struggling to make a living and sometimes for just a day at a time. With a population made up of 60% of young people, many are not involved in meaningful employment or have any set below the standard of living. Some Nigerians are convinced that a few more people will foster unity and others question why have children you cannot get to four. I decided to speak to a newlywed on plans of parenting, one of the biggest influencers to determine the number of children and what factors could change that. So, Michael and Jessica are here with me and um, I just wanted to know what's your take on the idea of family planning and planning out a family uh, at this time. Michael, let's start with you. Well, um, before we got married, I... I've always had this this thought in my head that I didn't actually want a large family for myself. Like maybe when I mean large family, I'm talking about the kind of kids that I want to give birth to. But of course, I like large family when I get other people adopted and I get extended families, all of us living together. I don't want to be at least at least one, then at most three. But um, me and my wife have never actually agreed on that, per se, in principle. Because you could even tell from our wedding day when we were about to cut the cake and they were counting down the number of kids we want. When it was four, she was putting her hand down and I was looking at her. Is that because, so, Jessica? <laughs> yes! <laughs> I was looking at her and I was like, ah, oh, what's that? So for, for what, the, what the motivation behind that is because I actually do not want to bring kids into the world that I will not be able to... Um, to take care of yeah all of that so i'm not we're not we've moved from the point where we're getting children because we want to take to farmlands okay uh, jessica do you think it's a conversation that over the years uh you would like to review yes hopefully the god's grace because we've not agreed on this um i prefer a fuller house <laughs> you know um especially for festivities, I would love a fuller house. And then, um, I know my husband would want to have um, just two or just one child, but I'll, <laughs> I've pleaded with him, except I get twins. I want four, I want five, even six. And he's like, <laughs> am I serious? But uh, I pray he'll change his mind, yes. I don't think I'll change my mind to having one. Or two, but I'm praying he'll change his mind to having more kids. A visit to one of the signature cities in Nigeria, located in Ibadan, Oyo State, predominantly occupied by the Yoruba tribe. A tribe with a high octave speaking dialect, 
credited with high productivity rate as well. It's been rumored for years that people living in Ibadan or your state have a deliberate technique in ensuring they give birth, especially in the conception of twins. They have a means to alter the biological process of conception, at least so they say. It's because of Ilasa and Morobo that they eat, especially in Ibora. That is why they give birth to twins. It's a soup called Ibarapa. It has to be the reason for twin births. If they give birth to four children, at least four can be twins in Ibora. At Irua, they also give birth to twins too. But True Tales told it is because of Elasa and Morobo. Even here, they give birth to twins. You will have soup variations made from shore leaves be taken by people in that area. They give birth consistently to twins in Ibarapa up to Ibora. Well, it's so, but on the condition that the shore soup variation is made from water drawn from our village or water fetched from rain, it must be done accordingly. If not, it would not work. Even if we have to travel far, we must take some water from here so the shore soup can be prepared properly. Sometimes, the biggest influences on childbearing decision is religion. And here we are right now. Uh, churches, like monks, are one of the biggest influences as regards the choices people make when it comes to childbirth. Some messages get the job done, some other times it's not the same. But this is the sound of worshippers in the church in Nigeria. I shared a conversation with the woman Christian leader, Dickness Christiana Lawa, on what advice she gives on childbearing. In some Christians, Christian home, the top family uh, planning as a system of controlling their, their childbirth. But family planning is good. It's a way of, at least, uh, it's a way of a kind of measure. Measure to cut your coat, as people say, to your size. If you don't have capacity of bringing four children and you're going to four children, you know, that one may be problem later. And that is why you see some of the children are not well taken care of and no better plan for them. Some Christian home, they see the issue of family planning as a sin that uh -uh. one of the reasons they give that I've had people saying is that it's a sin because God instituted marriage but he did not tell a measure he didn't give them measure of how many children they should have and because God didn't give them measure mm -hmm. so you can't stop God from working you can't stop him from working if you you know i i had about a a family that had uh 28 children they had 20 that, that man had 28 children and some of the children he didn't even know them as god gave uh, gave adam only one wife if if such a man will have stopped on one woman. You know, 
issue of having 28 children are they selling uh, selling them in the market It's Friday. The call for Jumat prayers is on in Kanu City. Kanu is a state predominantly occupied by Muslims and also known as a Sharia practicing state in Nigeria with a population of 3.84 million people. Here, devout Muslims come in large numbers to the central mosque to partake in prayers. Few minutes from now, this road will be at a standstill as many men who cannot make it into the mobs will settle for spaces in between the cars on the road to observe prayers. Men are essentially allowed to observe prayers publicly while women observe privately. Men are also allowed to have as much as four wives at a given time. Invariably, the number of children is an undetermined choice. So I met up with Islamic scholar Muhammad Nuruddin Lemon, also the director of research and training in Dawa Institute of Nigeria. Good to have you. So what does religion say? What does your religion say about population? Um, I think Islam, like most of the other major religions, views childbirth as a positive blessing for humanity. Having children and procreation is part of the purpose of marriage. Having a family and why the family unit is so important is because it provides the best environment for children. From the side of parents, from the side of relatives, grandparents, uh, in every sense. This of course is with the understanding that having children and procreation um, comes with certain uh, responsibilities. So I think if we look at it from one angle, procreation is the succession planning of a method for our species, for humanity to survive. In fact, if a mother dies in childbirth, in the Islamic tradition, she is understood as having died the death of a martyr. She has died doing something honorable in keeping the succession of humanity and she goes straight to paradise. So when we look at uh, the question, how does Islam view uh, the concept of childbirth and procreation or those acts, uh, it is positive, it's a blessing, uh, but it also comes with a responsibility. What does Islam teach on population control? I think Islamic teachings have played a role similar to most other teachings when it comes to population growth um, in what you would call a normal setting. So there's population when it is growing as an asset, but there's where you are growing a liability. Uh, what Islam teaches is to view procreation positively but also to view it with responsibilities. You don't just view uh, you, want, uh, you want children, but you're not going to fulfill the responsibilities. So if you are going to have children, as encouraged by the religion, you're going to have to educate them as commanded by the religion. But if you're not careful, your children could be a way towards your own damnation if 
you are irresponsible in taking care of God's creation in the form of children. So the religion prescribes education. You know, the Prophet Muhammad said, the search for knowledge, talab al-ilm faridatun ala kulli muslim, is an obligation on every Muslim. And some of the knowledge is what is called fardu'ain. In other words, every individual must acquire knowledge. Uh, of certain fields that are required for fulfilling their duties as human beings, as servants of God, as citizens, uh, on parents. So we will view Islamic teachings as encouraging population growth only if it is followed by the Islamic teachings of the responsibility for providing good parenting, good education, good welfare, etc. for children. The traditional ruler of Jingao in Gwali local government area of Kano State thinks with a large population sometimes poverty emerges, but also the solution comes from the people. My name is Rabiu Al Nasidi, the head of Jingao. Today, the people will help us see Nigeria as a great nation. We will look at this in three phases. When we look at the first phase, we will approach it with intelligence. The second phase, we will talk about farming. The people will harvest so much food that other Nigerians will benefit. These foods are from Kano. If not for these people, the food will not be enough for us in Kano. There are hypocrites that would say they should not take these foods to somewhere else because work is cheap and it's also known as cheap labor. There's also a talk on business. There are people in Kano that has taken right turns in Nigeria and opened businesses, helped the government, and there are a lot of businesses. Each time you talk about business, you must mention Kano because Kano is the center of commerce. Most of the money generated from Nigeria comes from Kano and it also helps West Africa generally. The population in Kano is really helping Nigeria in terms of intelligence, farming and business. In just Plateau State, Nigeria, a 37-year-old woman, Mrs. Papuetra, shares her experience bringing up her children all by herself and only hope to feed them day to day under a leaking roof. So thank you, why? So now Papuetra Joseph. Okay, now. What is your name? Okay, my name is Papuetra Joseph. From Kufan. I am from Kufan. I am 37 years old. How many children do you have? I get two kids. And I look for help. Honestly, it's people who offer help. This is why I have come here so you can help me. My children don't go to school. We find it difficult to eat. I am not feeling well. 
I cannot afford to buy drugs. So I need help from everybody. God should touch the hearts of people so that they can give me at, so that they can have me at heart. I don't tell them anything. I only sit them down and tell them this is what bothers me. They should have me in their prayers and God should deliver them from life biases. They understand. When I told them, they start to worry, so I said they should not get worried, but be prayerful since God has helped, and I'm thankful. I have begged and told them to be patient, so I'm asking for help so my kids do not live in worries. What about your husband? It's up to eight years I saw him last. He did not call. That's how he left me with the kids. It's only God's grace that has been helping. Well, he just left. He just went out. Well, he just went out to look for a job. From there, he never returned home. Ever since the kids started school, he has never brought a pencil worth 10 naira. Meanwhile, in Adamo State, according to Oxfam, the response of some women is an innovative way to circumvent the pressures of poverty through village savings. The Village Saving and Loan Association has created a formidable, a formidable role platform for women to realize their leadership potential, to contribute to household economies, to develop stronger bond of relationship among themselves, and to have access to flexible financial services. Together, the Village Saving and Loan Association have mobilized more than 370 million naira. Thank you. In Nigeria, discussions about population is so difficult to talk about. It is seen sometimes as a challenge to religion or ethical way of life. It is expected by the year 2050, 40% of extremely poor people will live in two countries, Democratic Republic of Congo, DRC, and Nigeria. Speaking on the implications of a growing population Patron Dame Jen Godal, during a 2019 conference on human population and sixth mass extinction held in London in April, believes that it first hit me, really hit me, when I flew over Gombe National Park, where 
I've been doing chimpanzee research since 1960. And when I began, the little tiny Gombe National Park was part of the equatorial forest belt that stretched from East Africa across to the West African coast. When I flew over Gombe in 1990, it was a tiny island of forest surrounded by completely bare hills and it was obvious there were more people living there than the land could support. It's absurd really to think that there can be unlimited economic development on a planet with finite natural resources. Back home in Adamo State, Nigeria, political economist Dr. Chris Kwaje says that we're dealing with an explosive situation through our population growth. What we are dealing with in Nigeria is not about population expansion alone. We are dealing with population explosion. The challenge, the, the challenge we have right now is that there is no relationship between the population increase and the existing opportunities in the country. One reality, one reality we face today is that we don't have concrete and reliable data about population. The most important pathway for us today is to plan. Where we have a huge disconnect between the rising population and the existing opportunities, it means we are sitting on a time bomb that is ticking. And around the world, population can be a problem that often doesn't make it to the table. It would appear discussions on population makes many people shy. At the center of a growing population in Nigeria are issues of clashes and migration across the country. He's saying that Nafra and people cause her nine coins. So we, we, and we TV with Frani with the fasting for house nine long coins for Suri here. As a income here for house mind, they say production. As a income man at the position and the use, the serving children. And father, you help her carry those children or keep for carry and go for, for school. Yesterday night, in son Nova Strip, I say in come here, my die in son in body hot. So now I say in come here, my go carry the child go give father say me see. So now father now go help me, help him to see that problem where they. She is a survivor of a deadly clash in her hometown between farmers and others in Benue State. And now she lives in Abule Soro, community of Nigeria. Soro is in Igboho of Oyo State, Nigeria. It takes about five hours' drive from Ibadan to arrive at the camp of these internally displaced persons. The bitter challenge of a large population in a family unit is often made manifest with children who are abandoned to fit for themselves. UNICEF says about 10.5 million children are out of school in Nigeria, with as many as 3 million abandoned and displaced. In my conversation with comrade Dr. Ibrahim Zukrulai, the executive director of the Resource Center for Human Rights and Civic Education, he says... Some children are abandoned because some parents attempt 
to outsource their responsibilities. What would you say is one of the biggest sources for where these children come from and what is the biggest encourager uh, for Amajiris to, to come forward or children to become Amajiris as we have it across the country? You see, there are many sides to it. And this is where the government is very central. Because if parents are having children and they cannot care for them and they take these children out, they don't just give out these children. Uh, they give them out completely and abandon. Even if the child dies. For example, we went for a program we went to do a program in Zaria. On our way back, we saw a child crying along this along the road. The driver was saying yesterday he saw this child in the on the in the road. So we have to stop. Upon inquiry, you find that this child is an Almajiri that from the parents are in Kano. He was taken to a mala in Zaria. And this this boy, as little as he is, just around uh, between seven and a half or eight, he don't want to stay. He's trekking from Zaria to Kano. Do you understand? Mm. He's trekking. He has been on the road for two days. The only thing he has is uh, uh, he has a kettle with water and sugar cane. That's all he has. Walking in barefoot, if you see him, you know the boy is drained. But he was determined. If anything happened to him on the way, he doesn't care. Whether he even knows the way from Zaria to Kano, and he don't have money to enter Motu. We have to pick him, bring this child to Kano, and hand him over to the police. Then that was how the parents were traced. So some that even use children for rituals, they take because the man, as far as they are concerned, some of them today is what the, that Almajiri bring that concerns them. Whether you pray, whether you read the Quran, is not their business. So when they give you target, you have to go out. And source for it. So, fearing the consequences of not meeting your target, you may decide to just walk away. The issues of abandoned children, known as Amajiri, has also received attention from the government. It is estimated about 3 million children are abandoned under the guise of religious school learning in Nigeria. The National Security Advisor, Mohamed Baba Ghana Monoguno, is concerned about the immediate implications of abandoned children and the future of the country. The Almajiri phenomenon, ultimately, government will have to proscribe this Almajiri phenomenon because we cannot continue to have urchins, streets, children roaming around only for them in a couple of years or decades to become a problem to society. We, we are not saying that they're going to be contained in a manner that, you know, I'm sure you, you think maybe we might want to do something that is harmful to them. No, what we want to do is to work with the state governments to enforce the policy of education for every child. It is every child's right, his entitlement, for as long as he's a Nigerian. Don't be surprised if out of every 100 Almajirai, 
you might have two neurologists, four architects, two lawyers, and so on and so forth. So if we don't start thinking short, mid, and long term to overcome this problem, and like I told you earlier on, to overcome this problem, you require a collective effort. You can't carry this load and drop it on top of the government. Even government itself should not act as a one-legged tripod. It has to be three-legged. The executive cannot be the one carrying all the problem. It has to work with the judiciary and the legislature. But that in itself is not enough. You need to mobilize the rest of society. And that rest of society, you start mobilizing them 20 years to the time that you need them. So you need to deal with the issue of these children, these al As the number of people in Nigeria continue to grow, the question is, will Nigeria succeed in getting a few more people or will it experience a situation of cubbing a few more people? The choice really lies in the policy of the government. Will the government be shy or will they be proactive? about the implications of having an overpopulated country.